The more active students were in the fitness program, the lower their body image. Maybe I'm not failing fitness, maybe fitness, the industry is failing all of us. That's why instead of leaving fitness altogether, I was like, no, let's try to recreate this. Hey everyone, welcome to the Let's Be Real podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I believe we need all the help we can get when it comes to living a full and free life. Here you'll find honest truth, practical tips, and perspective changes that help you embrace the miracle that is your life. It's an in-process conversation that's going to be unfiltered, and it better be fun. Let's get real together. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to Let's Be Real. I am so glad and so excited about this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for a very long time because today on the show, we have Sadie Lincoln, and we are going to get into our history together, first of all, where this whole relationship started, but also I can't wait to learn from Sadie's wisdom and what she has to offer us in her own life. So let me give you a little bit of info on Sadie. Sadie is the co-founder and CEO of Bar3, which I know some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, which is a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in their body and empowered from within. And we are going to talk a lot more about how Sadie got there in her life because way back before body positivity was cool, Sadie was preaching body positivity and I was a great, um, I was influenced very deeply by that. So this started in 2008. She has 175 studios. She has an online community that's all across the world. She's cool. She's awesome. And she's here. So Sadie, thank you so much for being on the show. We're so excited to have you. I'm so honored. You think I'm cool and awesome. <laughs> you are a hundred. I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks that. So guys, you have to hear the story behind the story before we get into Sadie's life and all the things that have happened since. But Sadie and I go all the way back to 1995 when this girl from LA that is on uh, the show right now was at William & Mary, a very strange place. How did you find yourself, by the way, from UCLA to William & Mary? I got a full ride graduate assistantship. Well, that's a good reason to come. Yeah, through NERSA, um, which is an amazing program for... Uh, college students who worked in rec centers, basically. Um, really? Yeah. I told that's it was a huge life changing moment for me. Oh my goodness. So I didn't, again, I'm learning some of this for the first time because when I first encountered Sadie, I was a teenager. I was finishing up my time as a cheerleader at William Mary and I found myself trying out, I guess it was a tryout. I don't remember to be a fitness instructor. And I got to learn under Sadie in 95 and went into fitness full time as my first career as well. So our story goes way, way back. And even then, Sadie, I remember very specifically that you had a way about um, in the season and in the time for those of you guys who've been like in gyms in the time where like butts and guts was cool. Like we'll just go ahead and like mm -hmm. age ourselves. Um, Sadie, you were already doing something really different. So I just would love um, for you to kind of tell us your story about the way that you've experienced movement and even like take us back to when you were in your mid twenties at this graduate assistantship, kind of doing things differently than everyone else around you. It's really interesting um, to hear that reflected back. And it's an example of a core value in, of mine that's mm. so embedded within me. I can't not try to help this narrative in the world mm. that's really attached to fitness in, in many respects of this idea that we need to change our bodies to be to belong, mm. to be sexy, to be worthy, uh, and that fitness is the way to do it. And mm. how shame is embedded in that. 
I didn't have those words <laughs> when I was in my yeah. early 20s at William & Mary, but I had that value apparently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. interesting hearing it reflected back because I feel when I look back at myself, I got a full ride, like I mentioned, a full ride graduate assistantship. I was, I ran the fitness instructor training program at UCLA mm. and then got to William & Mary and had this amazing opportunity. Um, but I don't think I consciously was aware that I was starting some a new movement or a new way mm-hmm. of looking at fitness. Now, many years later, um, 13 years into building bar three, it's a clear articulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just an example of anyone listening, like at any age, just trust your values and your intuition. Yeah. Because if you just keep following it, like, um, you know, I think amazing things can happen. Hmm. How did you get like, I, again, I'm having all of this weird reflection too, because obviously we're all on a journey and we're at different parts in our story. And when I think back to that part of my story, I was deeply invested in the lie about how your body looks, about changing your body, about who you need to be, to be successful, to be sexy, to be um, approved of. And here you are, like, you're also young at that time. Where had your story, how had you gotten to that value so young in your own story? Well, I was struggling. Silent, you didn't know, but I was silently struggling. And I struggled in at UCLA for sure. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. I started to have body image issues um, and an eating disorder um, in my late teens and moved to LA. And then it was just magnified, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, that environment. Um and then the fitness industry on top of it. And so I was in pain. I would mm-hmm. um, struggle with my own body. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was just kind of working it out out loud. Like I was mm-hmm. trying to fix it and and by leading and, and meeting other women. And I know a lot of the women in our group um, of fitness instructors had talked to me about that. You know, they kind of mm-hmm. came over and whispered to me, you know, I've I'm recovering from a really bad eating disorder. Um, Linda, who ran the mm-hmm. overall wellness program, she had struggled. She talked to me mm-hmm. about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't say a word about my own struggles, but mm-hmm. I definitely had them. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's what led me to want to fix it. Gosh, I just, this, it's like making me emotional because here we are, like everyone's like, showing up with a happy face. And I think in some ways we were all trying to lean into the truer part of ourself. Like, I don't see it as fake. I see it as some silent struggling with this desire to lean into this other thing. And I mean, even for you to just know you were shaping and changing the way that I was experiencing myself, even while you were still struggling, like you just were a half inch ahead. So I, I could follow that. Like there was ways that you speak and ways that you speak today. I know in your social media, in your presence, in obviously like the DNA of bar three that I feel like I was already hearing then, you know, back when you were still struggling deeply, what, what kind of brought you through that? If you, if you don't mind sharing, you know, from that time to kind of where you are today. Well, I had a really, I, I, I don't think I've ever talked about this on a podcast but this is interesting, Nicole. I did my master's thesis in a little study at William and Mary on mm. probably you were surveyed on the students who participated in group fitness mm. at the rec center and how it impacted their self-esteem. 
Mm. specifically body image. Mm-hmm. And I went in with a hypothesis and an idea that fitness was going to help your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was just sure of it. Right. And, but I was yeah. curious about it and I wanted to know why and how, and like, because at the time I thought I was going to go work at college rec centers and help mm-hmm. students. Right. And the results came back that the more active students were in the fitness program, the lower their body image. Mm. It was, a, an, and it wasn't a generalizable sample. It wasn't, you know, but it was enough evidence that I remember just being a little shooketh and like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Like, and it just planted a seed. Yeah. And it wasn't until 10 years after working at 24 Hour Fitness and growing that big organization, silently struggling, silently struggling, mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. had that aha that, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not failing fitness. Maybe fitness, the industry is failing all of us. Yeah. We're, we're becoming less confident in our bodies versus more confident. Mm. And it, it started at William & Mary. And it did start in the in-between moments too, just that kind of like almost sisterhood with you guys, like mm-hmm. the quiet understanding that we're better than this. We, mm-hmm. you know, let's, I mean, you and I did some fun little entrepreneurial things together. Yeah. Um, we went to you and I, I'm pretty sure you were, <laughs> you were a born leader girl. <laughs> and you know, I was such a baby girl too. Like I was such, I was so confused. I'm always like, wow, I was bossy and way too big for like everything I was trying to do. But. You were direct. You took initiative, total achiever. You're a three on the Enneagram, right? I mean, oh, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. So am I. We went to elementary schools and I don't know if you remember, but we had an acronym that spelled out ALIVE. Uh-huh. No surprise. No wonder I'm a preacher. I was just made to like make up words and teach things. In the elementary school in Williamsburg. And we did those like fun things with them. And we just did that with the goodness of our hearts. It wasn't yeah. like we were trying to like, you know, get accolades. It was, yeah. it was real. Well, and I I mean, this is this is not where I thought we were going with this conversation, but it's so much even better because for our viewers and listeners, I think that really understanding your origin stories of pain and purpose can actually help you like reconnect to the deepest part of yourself. So I don't know if you know this, but influenced by you, I did my social psychology like senior thesis on um, the anxiety produced by weighing in because I had come out of, at the time, cheerleading, there was weigh-ins. And so I wrote and did a very similar, very small study where even, even the thought of being weighed, like we basically set it up so that these girls who came to the study thought they were going to be weighed. So even the thought of being weighed, like immediately impacted their ability, like their self-concept and their ability to like not be anxious. And again, such a small study, but I think both of us maybe were silently struggling through some things and trying to find our way to the other side in the sisterhood, in belonging, in movement, right? I mean, because that's, I'm wondering why you didn't leave fitness. Like what was keeping you in fitness when even you were learning in your study? Like this isn't even, this isn't even helping people. Like what was that for you? You, (laughs) like people like you. Mm -hmm. The fact that like, almost that chokes me up that you did that because that's, that is what's so beautiful about this journey for me is mm-hmm. it's about the people I've met along the way who mm-hmm. are just, we just have this like telepathic, like alignment mm-hmm. and um, spiritual alignment. Yeah. 
that like, let's, let's change this narrative in our own mm -hmm. respective ways. And that was your superhero power, mm -hmm. your unique experience and your unique wisdom that you put to work um, mm -hmm. in your senior project. And like, um, I've seen that now um, multiplied across the country with women mm -hmm. and our clients who are, have become a part of our three, but in their own way. Mm. And um, I think it's so hopeful and so cool. That's what kept me in this. Certainly mm -hmm. not like, um, I mean, working at 24 Hour Fitness, for example, was like really hard for me mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because it was male dominated. Um, I literally heard things like, we are not a fitness company. We are a sales company. I mean, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Watching the financial success of the organization while so many people were still struggling. Mm -hmm. um, I'm that's why I left, you know, and started my own thing instead of leaving fitness altogether. I was like, yeah, no, let's, let's try to recreate this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I was, so when we were together in the nineties, I was already maybe seeing like a little bit of your interest in dynamic movement and kind of what bar is, but how did you get from rec centers and basically like much more traditional at the time group fitness to your passion for bar and kind of how has that, how has that evolved over this last several years? I think I went back to my roots. Um, mm -hmm. I remember one of my first memories is my mom doing yoga. I think I was like four. Mm. There was sun coming in. I remember she had this little paperback book and she was doing yoga on the floor in her bedroom. Mm. I have that like root memory and mm. walked into my first yoga studio. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm home. Mm -hmm. In a way, but I also love like a good downbeat and I <laughs> like um, laughing and talking while I'm moving and like, um, but I love the yoga um, philosophy and mm -hmm. the connection and the community and the um, kind of sacredness of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I pulled a lot of that love and I'm yoga. I went through yoga certification through yoga works and mm -hmm. actually was spent a little time sort of as a adjunct board member, mm -hmm. really got into yoga and then found bar. And I liked the idea of the ballet bar, which brings us back, you know, to grace and, and just that poise at the bar. That's that kind of memory again, a root memory mm -hmm. and started to pull it all together. And then my traditional functional fitness background, um, mm -hmm. how do we create um, function in our body? So our daily lives are more enriched and feel mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that that was my, my mashup. <laughs> Mm. So you start, so I know you start, you go back to your roots, you go back to your home, you're in Portland, you start a studio. When you began, did you expect or were you visioning what is Bar 3 today? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm so glad you just said it. I'm like, I hope she owns this if this is what she thinks. Because <laughs> it's like, oh no, I just wanted this humble little place just for, I'm like, surely some people want more than a humble little place. I just want. <laughs> That's the thing. We're similar that way, I think. Um, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know about the digital thing. I didn't know okay. that was going to be a big thing. Um, but I know, I knew it. I knew in my gut it was going to be amazing. Mm. I did. Yeah. And I wrote a business plan and I, I did my research and there was a gap in the industry, um, mm. a real need there still is uh, to meet specifically women is my target, but everybody comes, um, meet women where they are at inflection points in their lives, mm. uh, show them that they can embody a, a feeling of 
being honest and compassionate in their bodies during action mm. points. Um, whether it's recovering from an eating disorder, uh, grieving a lost one, moving to a new town, um, just had a baby. You know, there's yeah. all these moments in our lives going through menopause, which I'm about to mm -hmm. hit. I'm definitely starting to get those those signs. Um, <laughs> and like meeting that moment mm -hmm. um, through fitness. And, um, you know, I knew that we needed that and that it was sort of like a glaring miss in the industry. So. Well, and what incredible, like if you think about you were West Coast, then you were East Coast, then you were at 24-Hour Fitness where you kind of saw it all. Mm -hmm. So you really did have, you know, and I often with my clients will coach them, like, let's read the story that is your life. Like you don't, you get to co-author your story with what's already happening. And if we were to read your life, and as you just say it, I'm like, of course you weren't going to open one studio. Your whole life had equipped you to see things, I think, from a higher vantage point or like a larger perspective that these pain points, these inflection points exist wherever you live. You know, we, we sort of have a human experience that's the same everywhere. So how did, how did kind of, what were some of the things along the way that you did not expect when it came to scaling? Like once it was beyond you and yourself? Oh gosh, so much. I mean, I'm still learning. Um, mm -hmm. It is, Franchising, which I chose, is owner-operated, so we're completely owned and operated by women. We have no um, institutional money outside mm. of people who are investing in actually building the product with us, which is so awesome, right? It sounds so romantic, and it is, <laughs> but it's also a lot of hard work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we have over a hundred investors who all are emotionally attached. Right. And so there's a lot of relationship stuff I didn't realize was going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I three weeks before COVID struck, we hired our COO and president, Bruce Edwards. Mm -hmm. And I've, I really have enjoyed we have empowered him to run the organization. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Chris and I, my co-founder and husband, we've pulled into more of an advisor role um, mm -hmm. on the business more strategically. And. That was a move, by the way, to hire him before COVID. Um, <laughs> but he's so good at scale and building mm -hmm. and listening to our team and then swiftly taking action based on what they need um, to, you know, kind of create what we call workplace awesomeness. Those kinds of things I didn't know how to do. I don't mm -hmm. have to talk about like my, this whole problem we've been talking about on, and yeah. that's my core strength. Uh, mm -hmm. And teaching, uh, but uh, scaling something, growing something, building something isn't really my strength. How did you do? But you did that for twelve years, right? And it was hard. Yeah, it was taxing because I, I think for some of those years, definitely, I pushed myself into something I wasn't. Mm. I thought if I'm founder and CEO, I have to do these things. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what other CEOs do. And it wasn't until I really did the work and recognized, whoa, that's not where my strengths lie. Why would I try to pretend to be something I'm not? Why not hire people around me that are naturally in those skill sets and strengths um, so I can truly be myself here mm -hmm. in my own company? Mm -hmm. And truly, Nicole, for years, I didn't, I felt like an outsider in my own company. Mm -hmm. I didn't, mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel like I was crushing it. I, I, of course, on the outside, it looks like you are, but that's also a of course. whatever you see on the outside, just second guess. It's not real. <laughs> I'm like, it's 1% real. Um, what, like, if you could go back, 
what would you do differently? Anything? It's all, it's that classic answer of, but I learned so much. I I think that it's more for me about parenting, like Mm -hmm. having my, we started with the one studio with childcare and we had two little kids with us. And I had this vision of really being a, like a very present mother, but also building a mad career. And Mm -hmm. I, I think I was distracted during some pretty amazing years. And I, I, I wish I had the wisdom I have now as a parent and yeah. I could go back and empower my team quicker and reshift my energy more to my family, even though I did a pretty darn good job. Um, that's what, if, if I wake up at three in the morning, I'm like, my daughter's about to graduate um, from high school. And if I wake <laughs> up at three in the morning, that's where I'm like, oh, when she was 10, remember when she was 10? Yeah. Where was I? I mean, yeah. not the home. But Gosh. There's just a little more I could have been there for her. I feel I feel the same. Um, but it's so it's so hard to, I mean, I think it's good and I think this can be helpful because I know that there are some that are here with us who they really need permission to change their life and they need permission to believe that good can come even when you make a hard sacrificial choice like in the moment. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I also think a lot. It's very hard to say where you would be and what bar three would be to even be where you are now, where you can have a CEO and have it where it is if you had not in some ways done that. So sacrificial trade-offs are a part of our life. And I'm I'm just a little bit ahead of you because I have a 19-year-old. My daughter's 17 and then we have a 14-year-old son too. And I'm starting to believe that there are lessons that they learned because of that sacrificial choices I was making. Some of them are hard lessons, but some of them are really good lessons that I hope will like bear good fruit in their adulthood. Um, I think about my son marrying like a real go-getter or like my daughter deciding to want to stay home with her kids. Like how do you basically model all that in a tiny nutshell of our mothering? But I'm sure when I think about it, I'm like, but was I faithful? Like, did I, did I try to show up the best I could every day? And I, I think more often than not, the answer is yes. And to me, I think that needs to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important and to have grace, right? Mm-hmm. I've um, talked to my kids now that they're older. My son is mm-hmm. 16 and okay. Audrey's 18. I've talked to them and I said, Hey, cause I'm going through therapy too. So I've, I've already preemptively said, Hey, as you get older and you realize like traumas you've had as a kid that I was involved in unknowingly, Mm-hmm. I want you to know I take that shame away from you. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. not yours to carry. You know, I think all parents, you know, I missed one of Drew's birthdays, his actual mm-hmm. birthday. Mm-hmm. And I had a great celebration that weekend, but on the day of his birthday, um, I was gone. Mm-hmm. And he's told me years later that that <laughs> totally bummed him out and traumatized mm-hmm. him. It's, it's a silly little, it sounds, I know. but to a kid, it's a big deal, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I take that from you. So you don't have to carry it anymore. And I'm sorry. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've already started some of those conversations. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And there, yeah, there are those moments of regret that if I could go back, I'd be like, nothing, it wasn't worth missing is I've missed a lot of birthdays. And I'm like, it's not, it it wasn't worth missing a birthday. Like it just wasn't at the time. It felt like it was inconsequential or 
Um, I love when I can deceive myself into thinking that I can like make, I can control something to make it better. Like you said, well, we did a weekend celebration, yes. but like your kids experience is their experience. Like we can't, we can't help that. But um, isn't it a gift? To, I remember once I had a client, this was back when I was counseling and I had a client who told me a story about like her mom, like she never had a memory of her mom ever sitting down. Like just so busy, you know? And I mean, what a funny thing to be kind of like traumatized by. And I was like, do you feel like you need permission to sit down? She's like, yeah, I do. Like, I don't feel like it's okay to be a mom who doesn't sit down. It's kind of a silly, silly example, but in some ways it's not because it we can't control all of their perceptions, but we can offer, right? The opportunity to say, I want to apologize. I want to make amends for your own story for the mistakes that I made. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really. All right. Well, fast forward um, and just give us like, you know, because we're all kind of we're trying as best we can to be historians about a time that we're still in. But <laughs> in 2020, three weeks before COVID, thank goodness you hired a COO. Just I'd love to hear like what are some of your reflections personally and professionally like going through this last couple of years? What have you learned? Mm, I've learned so much. Um, I'm starting to be thankful I'm starting to have that moment of, I think in many years to come, we will, many of us will look back on this era and, and say, wow, that was the hardest era for me. And I learned so much that have, mm -hmm. has informed a better tomorrow. Yeah. And um, some of what I've learned is validating. So mm. one thing I've learned is that it's been hard to build a company without private equity, for example, mm -hmm. Chris and I working in the business for so many years, sacrificing a lot for our vision, our mission, and our core values. And controlling that, having control over that and, and in, inviting the team in to do that with us um, has its own struggles. And had we not done that, we wouldn't be as resilient as we are today. Mm. That, those, those values are what kept the team engaged and committed during epic Zoom fatigue, oh my goodness. Um, furloughs, layoffs, et cetera. We did lose many, many employees. Um, and I also think many of those employees that decided to leave, it was time for them to go. We were really mm -hmm. good at keeping people mm -hmm. because we're such, we just have a warm environment in our culture. And I think a, a lot of people needed that little kick in the butt to be like, okay, mm -hmm. it's time for me to move on and try something else out in the world. Mm -hmm. And so now we have new energy in our company, which is really amazing. Um, and um, we've learned the power from a business perspective of staying relentlessly focused on the epicenter, which is what we do best. Like if, mm. if this one thing from our organization, we wouldn't have a business, we wouldn't be viable. And for us, it's teaching the Bar 3 Signature class mm. in our studios, mm -hmm. remarkably every time and at scale which is a big task in itself and something we're deeply committed to. Um, but we got distracted, you know, when we obviously had to shut all our studio doors, Peloton came on mm -hmm. for the first time ever. Chris and I were like, we need to do more. You know, we, we got uh -huh. distracted. Mm -hmm. um, we need to reinvent ourselves. We need to be something different than we are. We had that whole like thing happen and we learned really quick. Nope. Stay focused, hmm. you know, stay focused on what we do best um, because, you know, that's who we are. And I think, you know, those are some of the big, for me, the big business. What did you, what did you do with that? Because 
Um, if you know that your signature class in studio is your core, but you couldn't use your studio, how did you correct too far? And then where did you kind of end up before you were able to open again? Well, their defining moment, we allowed all of our studio owners, empowered them to teach their their classes on Zoom. Okay. Um, so they could maintain a, a connection with their community, um, which served us really, really well. And it was neat to see because we also have a really premium digital streaming business with a production mm -hmm. studio and gorgeous classes and a library of over 300 workouts. Um, and their clients chose them over that premium digital experience. Mm. Oh, so interesting. Totally. It's all about, and it's it also is so hopeful Yeah, uh, because that boils down to our core value that relationships matter just as much as mm -hmm. exercise. And those people had a connection to their instructors and their owner and kept paying right. them to keep them in business. Mm -hmm. um, had we uh, done kind of a 24-hour fitness model where it was all owned and we ran all those studios through cap raising capital and had a bunch of managers in our studios, I don't think we would have survived. Yeah. We wouldn't have survived. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How about, like, to your point, how validating to put put something so intangible, like how important relationships are, putting that out there and like taking that risk. And that is, as, as a person who creates content, that is so encouraging for me. Cause I, I often am like, guys, there is a limit. There's a limit when there's a, when we have a 2d experience with each other, it is, it can be helpful. It can be fruitful, but it is limited. It is not the same as an embodied experience. No, it's different. And both can meet you in different ways. I think yeah. that's the most important thing is to acknowledge that. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, a digital connection has its place. Yes. And then a physical connection has its place. Mm -hmm. And there are two mm -hmm. different things. I think trying to be the same thing. Like, for example, uh -huh. we've tried live stream classes where you can jump on and, and take mm -hmm. class live. Why? <laughs> you know, that's trying to recreate the in-person experience. And, and the reason why people want digital is it meets you anytime you want. You don't have to yeah. schedule it, right? Right, right. But the Zoom class was different. That felt different than a live stream. That was actually live. Um, yeah. But we also recorded them. Right. So they went okay. through live. So if you wanted to join and see all your friends, you know, on right. the Brady Bunch screen. Um, or, but you could also jump in and and take the recorded version. And what mm -hmm. we found is a lot of people started doing that because it's just so convenient, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they still felt like they had that connection yeah. with their their own instructor who, again, this is funny, the parallels, but oftentimes I'll say like, coaching over Zoom is fine, but I want to be in person first. So I'll go and be with people for a day or two or whatever. Because I'm like, once we have a human connection, we can sustain it somewhat over Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we are, we are made, like we are 3D people. And I hope people hear that not as a condemnation of digital content in any way. I think it's great. But to your point, um, it's important to pay attention to maybe the diet of what you've got in your life when it comes to real in-person relationships and this other world that we exist in. I think um, it's really important. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's really important to name and say out loud that a lot of us have got used to being at home. And so it's mm -hmm. scary. Yeah. Uh, any kind of insecurity is sort of magnified right now. Mm -hmm. Being out of the home, going into a group exercise class, going to meet with a coach, going yeah. to have tea with a boss, going to, you know, um, we have lot, we've lost that practice mm -hmm. of being mm -hmm. together and stepping out of our comfort zone. 
Um, and also what we know statistically is that loneliness is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's higher than it's ever been. Um, and loneliness is as much a predictor of our longevity as smoking is. It's known mm-hmm. to, to degrade our health and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I, I mean, I think we're in the biggest loneliness epidemic we've ever had right now. Absolutely. Yeah. There's another study that talks about social connections and that um, strong social connections and an unhealthy lifestyle lead to more longevity than a healthy lifestyle with no social connections. So obviously we're both about a healthy lifestyle, but seeing that your bar three studio and that community can actually be serving a even deeper purpose. And that fitness is a vehicle with which some of those connections can happen for you. Cause I like you, first of all, I'm going through my own season of, you know, we're all in a season of change and figuring out who's my community and, and what does that look like? But then we're surrounded by people who are trying to do the same thing. So how do we go first or invite or say yes, knowing a lot of us are in that same place and it's a really cool opportunity, even if it's a little scary. Yeah. 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 So Sadie, um, as we wrap up, thank you so much for just your wisdom today and this conversation. Um, I would love to just ask you, what's one thing that you're hopeful for in this next year? Like, what are you looking forward to? Oh my gosh. I am so hopeful right now. Um, <laughs> I'm, I am looking forward to watching Bruce and his dream team mm-hmm. crush it at bar three. Mm. I'm looking forward to my role in that serving bar three in a way that uplifts my natural skill set. Um, mm. I'm looking forward to watching my daughter enter college. Mm-hmm. Should she choose college? I mean, she hasn't totally, you know, who knows, whatever her next phase is, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm really looking forward to celebrating my 50th birthday this summer. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Uh, Happy early birthday. Any big plans or how, will, what, what does celebrating look like for you? It, it's gathering with my dearest friends um, outside mm-hmm. in nature um, to with music. Like we're planning kind of an adult summer camp of sorts. Oh my goodness. Um, the best. And I then something more intimate with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Really looking forward to that. That's awesome. That's so good, Sadie. Thank you so much for your time and for what you've offered um, for everyone. We are grateful and we are better for it. So thank you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Let's Be Real podcast. If you have a question for the show, you can send it to me at Nicole at NicoleUnis.com. And hey, if you're enjoying this, we'd love for you to like, subscribe, share it with your friends, pass it on, shout it from the rooftops, whatever you feel like doing, because the reality is let's get as many people getting real as possible. Talk to you soon.